Hello, and welcome to Music City Songwriter, the podcast where we talk to the songwriters weaving the fabric of Music City, USA itself, good old Nashville, Tennessee. I'm your host, Matt Bednarski, and today in the podcast, we have Logan Brill. Following her independent sophomore album release, Shut Eye, critically acclaimed Logan Brill continues to define herself as one of the most important young artists in Nashville today with the release of two brand new tracks, Good Story and Giving Up. Outlets like Billboard, the LA Times, Rolling Stone, the Huffington Post, Hollywood Life, Taste of Country, and Country Weekly have praised her refreshingly authentic sound. Rolling Stone placed Logan on their 10 new country artists you need to know list. Billboard included her as one of 13 country artists to watch, and Cosmopolitan dubbed her one of 8 female country artists you should be listening to right now. Additionally, she was named part of CMT's Next Women of Country Rising Star Initiative. Since 2013, Logan Brill has relentlessly toured North America and abroad, sharing stages with icons like Merle Haggard, Dwight Yoakam, and Leon Russell, to contemporary stars such as Gary Allen, Lee Bryce, and the band Perry. This has included stops at the prestigious Merle Fest, California's Stagecoach, a grand old Opry performance with the legendary Vince Gill, and international appearances at C2C and Country Music Week festivals. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Logan Brill. Logan Brill, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Of course. I start every podcast this way, and this is no exception. What is your story? Perhaps in your case, what is your good story? But what is your story? Okay. Um, yeah, so I grew up in Tennessee. Okay. What part? Um, sort of in two different parts. My mom lives in the suburbs outside of Knoxville. Okay. And my dad lives on about 40 acres in a cabin, much like what we're sort of sitting Whoa, in right now. Oh, okay. Um, very rustic cabin in middle Tennessee. Yeah. So I kind of split my time between those two places. So mm. I had sort of a two very different childhoods in a way um, yeah. between those two places. Was that musically also represented by those two different settings? I think so, for okay. sure. Yeah, my, my dad is a total hippie, only had us listening to old school 70s, sort of, you know, Graham Parsons, I mean, Harris, mm. Jackson Brown. Uh, and then growing up in the suburbs where things were a little more, you know, current and what was going on yeah. and, you know, we weren't as isolated as we were out at this cabin. Um, I was sort of in the know with, you know, Dixie Chicks and mm. Shania Twain and um, so those sort of more contemporary commercial Classic things. 90s country kind of stuff. Yeah, kind yeah. of mixed into, I think, two different influences coming from two different spots for me. So you're getting this yin and yang of music growing up. Were you doing music growing up? How did that start to happen? I was, yeah. I, I'm lucky because both of my parents are big music lovers, but they're they're both artists sort of in their own right. My dad's a journalist and author. Mm. My mom's a graphic designer and sort mm. of started her own graphic design business. And so arts and music and creativity were always really important in my house growing up. So uh, my dad especially had like a whole room of just instruments, mm. most of which I don't even think he could play. Okay. But we had, you know, a djembe, like an African drum. We had, mm. you know, banjos and mandolins and guitars and all, all sorts of things. So I think especially living out where there wasn't much else to do, we didn't have TV or, you know, anything. It was, that was sort of what we did yeah. and how we passed our time. And so I started playing guitar, just kind of picking it up when I was maybe 10. And then, uh, you know, just love to sing in choir and school and all those things. It was just sort of always in my life. And so, yeah, I kind of always ended up knowing that I would end up doing it, I guess. What about the writing aspect? You know, during that time, were you just playing your heroes and who you were hearing? Or did you start to 
release yourself through music? I think I started to songwrite a lot earlier than I realized, maybe, um, because I was always writing poetry and I was always writing sort of things that would turn into little versions of a chorus or a little version of a verse. But I didn't really have the full confidence of my songwriting until I moved to Nashville and I started mm -hmm. realizing that it was sort of this thing that people could do as a job. Like, how is that mm -hmm. even a possibility yeah, that yeah. I could do that as, yeah. as and make a living doing that? And so. Um, so yeah, the songwriting thing I think came a little later for me. I kind of originally was just always into singing and playing because that's what I knew I could do. And, and my confidence with songwriting, like I said, didn't really kick in until I moved to Nashville and I started really practicing at it and, and working at it, and sometimes when, in co-writing. When did you move to Nashville? Connect the dots from those two, you know, separate living spaces to Nashville. What's in the middle there? How do you get here? So I moved to Nashville when I was 18. Um, I knew that I wanted to end up here yeah. and graduating high school, you know, all my friends were going to state schools to study, you know, I don't know education or yeah. business or, you know, something sort of more conventional. And I, I kind of felt like, I, well, I should, I should do that. I should go to college. And I knew I wanted to do music, but I didn't really know how to get into the Nashville scene. And so, uh, so I picked Belmont University yeah. and ended up going there because it felt like a place where I could start and I could at least say to everyone, yeah, you know, I'm going to, go, I'm going to go to school and I'm going to work on a degree, but I'm going to be right on Music Row and I'm going to start making mm. my connections. And so, so yeah, so I moved to Nashville when I was 18 and started at Belmont and um, studied commercial voice for a year. Okay. Didn't stick with it because I love the program, but I felt like I really wanted to be outside of school working on music too. Sure. And it was pretty time intensive in, in school. So I ended up getting a French degree from Belmont. Ah, c'est vrai. Parle oui, français. Oui, vous parlez français. Ah oui, je peux pas. On peut parler, on peut faire uh, l'entrevista en, en français. Ah. La prochaine fois, la prochaine fois. <laughs> not, not, not this time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did not know, je ne le savais pas. Okay, cool. So you studied French I did. while first a year of commercial singing. Did you just take French because, or study French because you loved it? Or I did. Yeah. I, so I think, to me, French is such a musical language. Sure. I just fell in love with it. And my, my grandpa is a retired airline pilot who lived no. in France for a while. And so I spent, when I was young, I went and visited over there and just fell in love with the language. It's just so beautiful. Right. And so I sort of started learning it when I was young, took it through, you know, high school and all that stuff and, and was taking it, you know, I think I was doing a minor in it. And I was like, I really love this. And I'm doing all this music outside of school. It's kind of nice to have something different to focus on sure. in school. Uh, and so, yeah, so I did, yeah, did a French degree. And so while you're at Belmont, are you starting to perform, starting to, I mean, kind of what's going on in your music life during that time frame? So I discovered co-writing pretty yeah. quickly just because there were so many other people at Belmont who were trying to do what I was doing. And my roommate was studying songwriting. And so she and I started co-writing together. And it was this really exciting thing for me because I felt like when I was trying to write by myself, I was so precious about what I was writing and I wouldn't, I couldn't mm. let it go. Mm, yeah. Um, and so I would, I would just labor over something for so long and then I would never want to put it out because it wasn't right. And yeah. for me, learning to co-write with someone kind of taught me to let go a little bit of holding on to these things that I was like, no, it's never going to be, it's never going to be right. It's never going to be done. Um, being able to bounce ideas off of somebody else and then go, no, 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 I love that idea. Let's not do this part, but I think this hits me in, a, in the right way. So I kind of fell in love with co-writing, you know, right, right about when I moved to Nashville and started just making those connections. My roommate, like I said, who was studying songwriting, uh, was an intern at Carnival Music at the time. Okay. Okay, yeah. And that was where I got my first publishing deal. She called me one day and just said, 
like send me everything you've ever written right now. Wow, what a cool call to hear. It was yeah, yeah it was it was I was like, oh okay, yeah, what what force? Don't ask questions, just send me everything you, cool. you've written. And so I, I did, and she called me about 10 minutes later, and she was on the other side of the wall from um, Matthew Miller, who's now my manager. Mm. Um, and she was like, okay, so he's listening to this song. Oh, yeah, I think he likes that one. Okay, he's switching on to this one and sort of giving me this play-by-play, mm. which was funny. Um, and so, yeah, the, the next week I got lunch with Matthew. A couple months later, I got my first publishing deal. So it was sort of this organic way that I ended up you know, stumbling upon this, you know, really great publishing company yeah. that really understood what I did. And so, yeah, I was lucky for that. Was that still while at Belmont? Still while at Belmont. Wow. Yeah. You are one of the lucky few, you know, I know, which is yeah. wonderful, which is wonderful. Yeah. So, yeah. and then did you have that, essentially were you studying and also, you know, writing professionally at the same time, kind of this double dance? Yeah, it was, it was a really fulfilling but exhausting you know year and almost two, almost two years that I was because I signed sort of the beginning of my junior year in college and so I switched over to doing you know just Tuesday Thursday classes and so I would write I'd be co-writing with people mo uh, Monday Wednesday Friday and then Friday after I was done with my write I would get in a, in my you know Subaru Tribeca and I would drive to whatever you know bar I could play at with a band and I would tour all weekend and play you know a lot of right just cover sets if I had to, or I'd throw in some originals or, you know, whatever I had to do. And then I would come back on Sunday, finish all my homework, and then, you know, try to kind of get back right. in the groove. So it was a lot of just learning to balance that. But I do feel like by the time I graduated, I kind of had my footing and understood how that whole process sort of worked a little yeah. bit. I kind of already had a, a head start a little bit. When you signed the publishing deal, were you thinking, I'm going to write songs for other people? Or were you thinking, I want to be the one singing those songs, or were you just thinking, I love music? What were you thinking? I, I always knew that I wanted to sing the songs because yeah. I've always loved to perform, but I, I think it became really fun to just go into a room and write whatever was in the room. And if it didn't feel right for my project, it was so exciting to think that someone else could kind of give that song life. And yeah. so, um, so yeah, for, for me, it was just about loving the process and and hoping that whatever song I wrote that day would be perfect for whatever project I was working on. But kind of exciting to know that songs can go live other lives yeah. somewhere else, with someone else, you know? For sure. So um, I just want to bring us up to present day. Take us from then to now. So I was with Carnival for four years. and Quite a while. Yeah, it was, it was a long time. And I, I love everybody over there. They were so supportive for a young artist who was just kind of trying to figure out what my sound was and what I wanted to do. And so I released two records with them. Yeah. Full, full length. Full length records. Yeah. Awesome. Which was, I was so lucky that they were, you know, able to sort of make that happen for me and that they were supportive and saying, yeah, go, go make two records. Just try something out, see what happens. And so I, you know, I toured really, really heavily for those sure. four years and, you know, started out doing cover sets. And then little by little sort of added in every once in a while I'd get an offer to do, you know, an opening 20 minutes for somebody at a totally. theater yeah. and I would go do that. And then those sort of started building on to maybe I'd be able to open at a club with three band members instead of just one or, you know, and so it was, it was sort of a, a slow climb those four years. And then, um, and then two years ago I signed with Warner Chapel and it was, a, it was a big change because Warner Chapel is really great company it's a lot different that it's sort of a bigger publisher yeah. um, and so it's been a really really fun challenge to sort of get used to a larger office with a lot more resources to new writers and stuff but uh but it's been great and that sort of is who i've been working on my new music with yeah 
So now I want to dig into the songwriting sphere of things. You've been songwriting for a lot, a long time. Um, you spoke a lot about co-writing before. Do you have a process? Do you have a set way that you've kind of built the muscle that is Logan Brill's way? I think my process is, or, or at least I will say my success in writing songs, usually comes from taking a lot of time to think about a subject before I ever even start to write on it. Hmm. Which I think a lot of people, you know, I've been in co-writes before where someone will throw out a title and then you sort of go, oh yeah, well that's cool, we could write that this way or we could go at it this way. I tend to need a second to sort of digest what I want to write about. And sometimes that inspiration comes from a title that I just end up thinking, well, that, that's kind of a cool word. I wonder what I could make with that. And sometimes it comes from specific experiences that I've had or friends of mine have had. So I think for me, I like to start knowing where I'm going and mm. then sort of have a roadmap in my head of what that song could become. Because if I just sort of go at it and, and see what happens, a lot of times I'll end up sort of meandering. And sometimes that hap you know, sometimes that ends up being a great song, but more, more often than not, uh, my process is to really sit and think about something for a long time. So does that mean that you collect ideas and you're, you're, when you say think about them, you're, going, you're talking about throughout your life or in the room, you, you kind of ruminate about them? I kind of, yeah, in the room. And, and a lot of times before, like if I'm going into a co-write, I have a list of ideas in my phone and the notes in my phone, I'm constantly going, ooh, that could be a cool thought. And I'd sort of write something down. I've got all kinds of things in there that probably will be nothing and sure. you know, make no sense to me even now. But, uh, but those are the things that before I go in with, you know, to a room with somebody else, I'll sit and I'll go, yeah, I really like that idea today. That really strikes me today. And I'll just sit and think about it for a while and figure out how I want to present it and what it means to me and how it makes me feel and all these different kind of angles to it mm. so that I can then go in and sort of, if I'm writing by myself, I know kind of what angles I can come at or I can know how to present it to someone else if I'm writing it with someone else. So let's talk about that by yourself versus co-writing. Do you do one more than the other? Kind of what is your rhythm these days in that regard? I co-write more often, but I've learned that my most successful co-writes come from taking that time to sort of start writing a song mm. by myself. Because it has that direct, um, authentic connection to you? Why? It yeah. does. Yeah, it, it definitely, it gives me time to sort of figure out how I view a, a certain subject versus writing it from what I think other people want to hear or what I think other people might mm. feel about it. So I tend to like to start writing a song and then take it into a co-write and say, hey, I've thought about this idea. What do you think about this? And going from it at that angle. So, but I definitely, I, I find, like I said, co-writing, I find really inspiring to be able to just bounce ideas off of somebody yeah. else. And it takes me out of my head a little bit um, yeah. because I tend to, like I said, be really sort of precious about certain lines that I, I can't let go because it's not right. And sometimes it's nice to have somebody else just go, let's look at it from this angle and help me kind of get into that new headspace. So, With these two new songs, um, Good Story and Giving Up, mm -hmm. right? Walk us through that. Was that was that a co-write? Were those co-writes? Who did you write them with? If so, and, and what was that process? Because they're great songs, so I'd be curious. Yeah. And they're current. That's what we're listening to now. Sure. So how did you stumble upon those, let's say? So, uh, Good Story is actually an outside song that I did not write. Okay. Um, yeah. Which I've always sort of been somebody who's like, oh, I'd love to write every song on my album. But there are so many great songs flying True. around yeah. that it would be, you know, it'd be there, there would be so many songs that wouldn't be out in the world if somebody didn't cut them when they didn't write them. And so... Right. Um, so yeah, so Good Story was a song that my publisher had sent me 
Uh, it's John Randall and Luke Dick. Oh, I met John. Yeah, great guy. Okay, yeah. so I don't know the other. What was it the second guy? Luke Dick. Okay. Yeah. Great. So and and they're just they've got this really cool thing. I've I've heard a lot of songs that the two of them have mm-hmm. written together, and you know Luke has this really sort of interesting stumbling phrasing, and he, they just come up with these really creative, interesting songs. And so uh, so I heard that one, and it just immediately took me to all of the weird, crazy things mm. that have happened on the road. And it was like I so I. I listened to it and immediately called my publisher back and I was like I love this song I'm thinking of 800 stories right now that I could just you know ramble off of all the things that I've you know experienced on the road all the crazy things that have happened and so for me it was sort of that instant connection about road life and that's what I wanted to what I really wanted to to kind of portray in that song can I just say I love that you embrace that song because that is giving credence the idea that a song is outside ourselves, and, and you know, like if if that were the case that we only sang our own songs, Frank Sinatra, you know, Beyonce, all these Elvis would never have sang any songs. Yeah. So I, I just appreciate that because at the same time, you're a songwriter, you hope that others write songs that they didn't, that's, that they sing your songs. Right. You know, and you're giving respect to the song. Yeah. So cheers to that. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a huge Bonnie Raitt fan, and I remember somebody telling me about um, she did an interview where. She sort of said was was talking about how many outside songs she's cut because she she writes some of her stuff but has definitely cut other yeah. songs, and somebody had said well you know how do you feel about cutting these outside songs and they're they're not your songs, but you know you sort of and she said well I make them my songs totally, and it to me it's it's so great because it, it really is like you know like good story for example is something that I so connect with and it it sort of took on I don't know if they intended it to be a road life sort of song right. But for me, that was exactly what it made me think about. Mm. And so I was able to sort of feel like I could take that song on and make it make it my own, which yeah. I'm lucky that they allowed, you know, allowed me to have the song and were excited to, to let me cut it. So Well, it, it sounds you through and through. Awesome. So, Good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad. So, and then Giving Up, what's the story in that? So Giving Up was a song that I wrote uh, when I was going through sort of the end of a really long relationship. I was on the road all the time. And I think a lot of touring musicians can relate to mm. how hard it is to make a relationship work when you're gone all the time. And so I was sort of in this headspace where I was, you know, really in love with this person. I really wanted it to work. But every time I would leave to go on the road, I felt like I had to sort of emotionally check out a little bit because it was so hard to give 100% of myself to this career and this thing that I love that I know I want to spend my life doing. And, and not be able to also give 100% to this relationship that was sort of in need of some attention. And so, so yeah, so I remember I was out on the road, I was sitting on the bus, and, and I had sort of had this strange conversation with this guy that I'd been dating where it was sort of like we were both checked out, and I remember hmm. just writing down, I'm giving up on giving up. I, I don't want to give up on this relationship anymore. I want to make it work. And, you know, in the end, it didn't work out, but it, I don't think it was meant to. And... Um, so I wrote it sort of in that headspace of really, really wanting to make that relationship work and sort of giving up on letting go of it. And so um, so it was a really personal song for me. It was an emotional song um, for me. And, and I kind of got this refrain stuck in my head uh, and took it into a co-write uh, with Randy Montana and Jacob Powell, They're cool. the two guys that I wrote it with. Billy was here. Uh, Randy's father was yeah. here some time ago. Yeah, oh, I love so I Billy. Met, I haven't met Randy, but Billy was in your chair. Oh, awesome. Okay. Go. Yeah, no, I, I love Billy. And, and Randy is one of my favorite people to write with. He has a really cool way of coming at things. And so I kind of went in and, and um, it was actually the first time I'd written with either of those guys. And, and it was, you know, it's kind of nerve wracking coming in and saying, 
so I'm going through this really tough relationship thing and I really want to just lay it out there and can we can we write about this mm-hmm. and so I kind of had to open up a little bit with these two guys that I'd never met before and and we I think we wrote the whole song in like an hour and a half or something and so yeah so it's a really personal song for me cool so let's go back into the more general writing thing so you've I'm gonna guess co-written hundreds of songs perhaps what have been some of the lessons that you've learned from co-writing with this multitude of people? Oh gosh, that's a, yeah, that's a hard one. I think, I think you learn a lot from just having to, to write with a lot of different types of writers mm-hmm. because everybody has a different process and you kind of have to figure out how to make your process work with their process. And you kind of find that there are some people that you really click with and other people that you kind of aren't on the same rhythm. Uh, but I've been lucky to sort of go around and write with a lot of different people. So I think I've, I've kind of learned that people view things differently. And I think that's what's been interesting about writing about one idea from two different perspectives because everybody brings hmm. their own personal backstory to whatever subject you're writing about. And going through and talking about memories and emotions that are you know connected to a certain subject, for me, and then hearing it from a completely different perspective yeah. is so interesting to me. And you really, you know, dive into some intimate stuff in a co-writing room. Yeah. It's almost like a blind date. I, I always totally. sort of say that. I look at my calendar and I have like a date, a time, and a name. Mm. And I just show up and it's like, hey, you know, I'm Logan. Let's dive into our most emotional, you know, yeah. in memories and baggage and see if we can come up with something cool out of it. So um, that part I really enjoy, just getting to know people on, on a personal level. What makes a great song to you? When you go into the writer's room, what is your goal? My goal is to get a great song. And, and what's that? A great song to me is a song that tells the truth, that tells some sort of truth, I mm. think. Okay. Um, and I don't, I don't always know that, um, I don't always achieve that, but I always try to achieve that. Yeah. And I try to be honest about how I feel about something. And, and so, I, yeah, I think a great song tells the truth and tells, tells a good story. I mean, not to be like quoting no, my pun own song. Intended. Yeah, yeah, right. Pun, yeah, pun actually slightly unintended, but it, it really does, you sure. know, it means telling a story in the most truthful way that you can. And, and I think those are the songs that I connect with when I feel like I can really get a sense for how somebody honestly feels about something. So I really try to sort of approach things as honestly as I can in the writing room. What are, I guess, for you, you know, you're a songwriter, but you're also a fan of music. So what, I guess, what are a couple songs that fall into that category for you that you think of a great song, you're like, ah, that was my song. Yeah. Um, the first memory I have of a song that just really rocked my world was uh, Late for the Sky by Jackson Brown. Okay. Uh, I think it's the most beautifully written breakup song of all time because it feels like he's just telling you how he feels about it. It's not, it doesn't feel like a songwriter has crafted this, you know, intricate thing. It's like you're just sitting down and he's telling you how he feels about it. But it's beautiful. Lyrically, it's just, it's just brilliant. Um, it's just all about you know, that moment when you realize that you're not really meant to be with somebody and sort of the ins and outs of that. Um, so that song I think is incredible. Um, I mean, country wise, I think there are amazing songs that tell so many great stories. Um, I mean, I th- things like he stopped loving her today sure, and the classic, you know, yeah. the classics that are sort of the classics for a reason because yeah. they really tell an amazing story. Um, 
I could, I mean, I could go on and on forever, I'm sure, with a million songs. There's so many influences and so many different types of things I listen to, but... Speaking of country, uh, let's take a step now towards, this is called Music City Songwriter, so let's talk about Nashville. Okay. Um, You've been here quite a while. This is, it seems like from home life, this was your next stop, right? Mm -hmm. So what does Nashville mean to you? How would you describe it? Um, And how are you a part of it and vice versa? How is it a part of you? Nashville is such an interesting place because it's it's so full of creative energy, which I love. I mean, I think that's what initially made me fall in love with the city. There are so many people who move here with a dream. Yeah. You know, people who just want to be a part of something bigger and and make their mark. And I think that's that's something that really has influenced me and and inspired me to sort of keep going and keep trying to be you know, as authentic and hardworking as I can because there are so many other people who are trying to do the same thing. So I think it's it's competitive, hmm. but kind of in an inspiring way to me. And I think as long as you sort of pay attention to your own thing hmm. and are inspired by other people, but not looking at the lanes next to you going, maybe I should do that. Man, they're really they're really succeeding. Maybe I should maybe I should do what they're doing. Yeah but also just being inspired by other people's work ethic and creativity. Um, so yeah, I think there's just this really great creative buzz in Nashville. And it's such a small town too. It's kind of nice you just wander around and run into so many people. I know yeah. that's sort of like, within the music industry, that's definitely true. Yeah. But um, but I kind of feel like it's like this weird small family that we all sort of know what each other are doing and support each other from afar, you know? Yeah, it's interesting to me because you said you mentioned the country music that inspired you, you know, you hear your music, there's country in there, but you're very much, at least sonically, on the outside of that. Yeah. You know, um, did you intentionally choose that unique path? Because, again, I mean, like, there are, I don't want to characterize the strengths, that there are people trying to do this this thing, like mm-hmm. this country thing, that country thing. Yeah. And you're kind of just doing your own thing. Was that very much intentional, or is that just kind of how it fell into place? Um, I think... I- I don't know. I think it kind of fell into place that way, but it also is, I have to, I have to fight for that. I feel like to kind of stay in my authentic lane. So what do you mean by that? You got to fight for it. It, That's yeah, I guess, um, it can be really hard to sort of look at other things that are working and go, like I said, sort of looking in your, I could, I could do that. I could totally do that. Look at how well that person is doing. But at the end of the day, that person already exists. They're making the music that they make. I need to make the music that I make and being authentic to myself is really important for me. But I do think it can be hard to not go, well, that, that looks like it's easier. So maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just do that because at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's art. It's what I'm trying to leave behind in this world, you know? And so it can be kind of a a thing to sort of fight for being authentic and not trying to think about who's going to listen to it. Where's it going to go and just creating it and then going, okay, well, how do we make this how do we get this out to the right people? So, uh, so yeah, I think it's an interesting environment to sort of make music in. I wonder if that's a lifelong thing because, you know, I think about my people like James Taylor, Paul Simon, all that. Mm-hmm. I don't, I really hesitate to say they play the same head games because their, their eyes weren't spending their whole, you know, coming of age looking at what other people are doing because technology and all that stuff. Yeah. So I wonder if for us that is going to be a constant daily decision to say, this is what I do. Yeah. Not not what they do. This is what I do. Yeah. Yeah. I do kind of wonder if, if social media has been, because it's like, 
before you could really look at just who was to the right and left of you and now it's sort of like everything is at your fingertips and you can kind of look at all of these people who are doing different things and and so yeah I think it, it can be kind of a challenge to to know that that's happening all around you yeah and i don't want to completely nerd out but like the lord of the rings might not exist without like if if, if authors great authors had had to like what does that one do what does that one do and you right. know like if these people and these are year five year works yeah you just have to focus on what you're doing so yeah i don't know i don't want to get too like you know uh commentary on society but it's an interesting time and Definitely. especially for somebody that does something like you what you do because it is i don't want to say against the mainstream but it's unique it's a unique sound. Yeah, I, I've sort of I've been on the outside lane of sort of what is commercial uh, and current, but I feel like it, it sort of has I've sort of found a place on the totally. outside of that, um, and I'm sort of happy to be there. And I think there are a lot of other artists who are sort of doing things yeah. that are a little on the outskirts, and it's been encouraging to see, you know, Brothers Osborne sure. and you know I mean Chris Stapleton is is, totally. is just which he's almost Jason Isbell yeah yeah um and nobody's gonna confuse you with anybody else you know you have your own voice that's above above the volume or in its own separate echo chamber right right um yeah and I think I'm I'm proud of that and I think at the end of the day if you just do what you do then you know people will at least if they don't listen to it all the time uh people who really love it will love it because it's authentic you know and and I'll find sort of my audience and the people that relate to it um not trying to make music to find the audience, but find the audience once the music's already made. You know what I mean? Totally. Well, that is a perfect segue for this bow on this. Let's okay. let's put a bow <laughs> on this because you know you're we're songwriters, performers, all that. But above that and before that, we're people, we're friends, we're mm-hmm. all that. So I guess what is you know this might be a big question, but what's ultimately your purpose? What are you trying to do here? You know, whether through music or not. You know, what what is ultimately what are you trying to do, Logan Bro? I think I'm just trying to make uh, make a difference by being by being brave and saying things that sometimes people can't say. And I think that's why I love music so much, because you listen to a song and you go, "That's how I feel." How could I? I couldn't say it, but that's how I feel. Mm. And I think that's why people relate to music so much because it's this it's this thing that we can all agree on, um, sort of explaining our feelings in a way. And so I think for me. My purpose is to create music that hopefully makes people feel something or relate to something or connect over something and something that's bigger than all of us. You know, it's not about, um, it is about hopefully liking a song, but it's also about hopefully connecting with it in a way. And, you know, that's what I try to accomplish with my shows too. It's, it's like, this is a moment that we're having together and, uh, it's an experience that we're having together. And I feel like that's a really important thing on a human level. I enjoy that connection. And so I think my purpose hopefully is to, to continue to do that, to connect with people. So, yeah. Well, cheers to that. Um, <laughs> where can people find you online? And also you just released these two songs. So what, what I guess, uh, what's on the horizon, not neglecting enjoying right now, but what's, what's, you know, what's coming up? Yeah. Um, well, I, I leave uh, day after tomorrow for a European tour. Oh, I got you really just in time. Oh my that. gosh. Yeah, no, Where are you going? Okay. What countries? Um, I'm going, I'm starting in the UK. So I'm doing some stuff around England. I'll be in Scotland. I'll be in the Netherlands. I'll be in Germany, in Prague, I think one night. Um, yeah, I'll kind of be all over the place. Okay. I'm going out with the Wood Brothers, which I'm really excited oh, about. Great. So congratulations. Yeah. Thank awesome. you. Yeah. So that's sort of immediately on the horizon. I'm planning on a lot of more tour dates in the fall. 
um, and just kind of enjoying this release. It's been three yeah. years since I've released music, so it's Whoa. really exciting to finally have something out in the world again and be able to sort of promote that. Um, so yeah, people can find the music. It's on anywhere you stream music, um, you know, Spotify, Amazon, Apple Music, all that stuff, iTunes, um, and then social media, whatever flavor of social media you mm. like, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, it's uh, Logan Brill Official, Logan Brill Music, or just Logan Brill. And then my website, loganbrill.com. So okay. really, I'm out there. Anywhere. You exist. Yes. I exist in the, uh, yeah, in the interweb world. So. Wow. <laughs> well, safe travels, and we wish you nothing but the best. Thank you so much for having me. There you go. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Logan Brill. Definitely check out her new music if you haven't yet. And uh, follow her online. Stay up to date with what she's doing. And of course, keep in touch with us. We are at Music City Songwriter on Instagram and Facebook at Nash City Podcast on Twitter. And if you need to email us, we are musiccitysongwriter at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks so much.